time. We are live from Met Radio in Embassy, Denver, Denver, Colorado, for episode Fireball. 47, not episode Fireball. Pitbull, <laughs> Pitbull had to get that one in there. We're live. We're having a good time. I don't know about Isaac. Game 7 Podcast is hosted by Met Radio, the student voice of MSU Denver. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. As always, we want you to email us and hit us up on social media with all of your questions. What do you want us to talk about in the next podcast? Today, we're going to talk about uh, today in history, what, what's happened on, on this date in, in the past. We're going to talk about a little bit of the Nuggets and ads real quick. We're going to talk about Drew Locke being the absolute savior of this Goat. Denver Broncos Goat. team. Goat. Put him in the Hall of Fame right now. Get him a, a gold jacket. Get his ring size. We're going to be a relevant football team for the next 10 years because of Drew Locke. Let's go. We're also going to talk about the Rockies, um, a little bit about what they should do here at the winter meetings. Um, Jeff Breiders made an interesting quote uh, this past week. Um, really interesting to hear about what the, the Rockies are doing to move forward to get one step closer into uh, making the playoffs again. And also we're going to talk about the rest of the winter meetings as far as Steven Strasburg just signed a $245 million um, deal to stay in in, in Washington, D.C., uh, Garrett Cole's price just went up a hell of a lot more. And who are the Cubs looking to trade to? And who are they looking to trade with? The Cubs, man. You can't forget about the Cubs. Good old Cubbies. Um, you can email us, game7show@gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook. I guess you message us on Facebook if you don't like us. The whoa, Game whoa, 7 whoa. Show. I think why, you, I, why, why, don't, why don't they like us? We get roasted, man. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Game 7 Show. You can find us on Twitter, at underscore Game 7. You can follow Will, at Will underscore Sattler. And you can follow myself, at Isaac underscore Brugarin. We just got roasted on Twitter the other day by oh. the Rockies. <laughs> the Rockies released their um, <laughs> the Rockies released their Nike, their, their first uh, Nike jersey. And uh, we had been on them. Like, every single tweet that they posted, we replied and said, uh, release the Nike uniforms already. Release the Nike uniforms already. And, and they were ignoring them for a while. And then at some point, the uh, Rockies social media unpaid intern got annoyed with us. Let me make this 100% clear. I did not once tweet at you at Rockies. <laughs> if you're listening, not once. That was every single tweet that has the words, release the Nike jerseys. That is at Isaac underscore Bagarin. You can block him on Twitter. Um, but, you know... Follow back. Yeah, hit us with the follow back. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. It was but, funny. It was funny because I tweeted, you're not welcome, because you were like, thank you so much after they released them. And people were like, why are they people, being like that? People were so confused. Because <laughs> they didn't understand the timeline. But yeah, it'd be really cool if it was like the same person that was like, oh, wow, this guy. Oh, okay. it was. It was 100% the same person. Well, maybe. It could have been so. Because it's one of those things, like it was a joke where it could kind of be just a regular joke on its own. Yeah. But. With the entire story, it's much funnier. Yeah. So, who knows? It could be another different person, but... I hope I meet the, the person that's running the Rockies. Like, the person that tweets that. I hope I meet him one day. You need to at them on this... So, for the video, you know, you're going to cut the video up. Jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. And uh, at Rockies just comes across the screen, and you add them 14 times. The right and Until that's, they respond? Yeah. That, <laughs> that's the title of this podcast. And every time they tweet something, you're going to be like, the Rockies released the, the Nike jerseys. I was going to tweet something later on today that said, because uh, um, they only posted the jersey, they didn't post the pants. So I was going to post something that said, uh, update, breaking news, the Rockies will not wear pants with this jersey <laughs> in, in 2020. <laughs> and just, just see what kind of response we can get from the Rockies. 
That, that is a good thing that I didn't even think about because they said all the jerseys are essentially staying the same. Yeah, they're what just doing the Nike logo on the upper chest. What if what if Shoulder, they change the pants dramatically? They wear like purple pants? No. It's not going to happen. No. But no, 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 no. Nike is the I don't know. They're pushing boundaries, man. Like they they renovate all of these new uniforms. Well, you you got to think that there's no way that they won't invent or create new uniforms throughout the year and release them kind of like they do in the NBA where they don't release the city jerseys until a month or two into the season. You got to think they're going to do that. Even if teams are starting with four jerseys, they have to bring in jerseys. It just doesn't make sense that they wouldn't do that. Do you think so? I don't think that they'll do that. That's too that's too much like the NBA. It's too much like the NBA. But the I mean that's it doesn't really matter how much that they're making or how much it's alike it's more about how much money they're gonna make off it more more jerseys more sales more people in the ballpark yeah so more hype around there it's just all around i don't know but, but the, the rockies also said in a tweet that that uh um all their jerseys were staying the same they still had the the gray road they still had the purple um the purple jersey and they would still have the the black uh sleeveless the only jersey that they're really missing is the white sleeveless. Can we bring back the white sleeveless? I think jerseys? everybody really wants to see the white sleeveless, to be completely honest with you. Those those jerseys were magical, man. Those jerseys were magical. But let's get into the, today's podcast here. Like I said, you can follow us at Twitter at underscore Game7. You can follow Will at Will underscore Sattler. And you can follow myself at Isaac underscore Bugarin. Um Today in sports history, there was a lot that happened on – December 10th in the past. You want to go back to 1919? The National League votes to ban the spitball's use by all new pitchers. I wonder if this means um, that the pitchers that were already using the spitball could still continue to use it, or if it was only new pitchers that weren't allowed to use the spitball in 1919. And why do the National League votes ban it and not the American League? Kind of interesting. Um, 2005, the 71st Heisman Trophy Award winner was... Reggie Bush from USC, and uh, Bush later forfeits the trophy, so it's actually vacant right now. Reggie Bush, USC. Can I go back and win it or something? Sure. Go ahead. I go to USC, man. Uh, 2012, the 78th Heisman Trophy Award was awarded to none other than Johnny Manziel. Johnny Football, Texas A&M. He was the first freshman to win the award in 2012. Johnny Football. Well, I don't know. What, what are you laughing at? I don't know. 2016, the 82nd Heisman Trophy Award. The 82nd Heisman Trophy Award was Lamar Jackson, Louisville. The youngest player, he won it at 19 years old. 19 years old, and he won it. In 2019, nothing really happened. Today, <laughs> um, we are yet to see, although maybe Garrett Cole could sign a, a massive contract today. Well, here, here's this. Dallas Stars fire head coach Jim Montgomery due to unprofessional conduct. Jim Montgomery was the former head coach of the University of Denver Pioneers. Really? Uh, led him to the title in 2017 and then bolted for Dallas, and now he's no longer part of that op- that team. That's, that's, not gonna be, that's not going to be the only head coach that gets fired out of Dallas. And uh, Katie Nixon declares for the NFL draft. Huh. Okay. You think he gets drafted? Yeah. To who? Seventh round. That, that's so specific. <laughs> um... Will, why don't you recap the Nuggets and the Avs this past week for us? What can you tell us? I know the Avs just came off of one of their best road trips ever in, like, franchise history. 
And I know the Nuggets were went on the road and they they didn't really do. They too didn't hard. do very. Hard. They didn't do too. Hard. Yeah, two teams trending in different different directions. To be completely honest with you, uh, Nuggets started the week on Sunday in Sacramento. This is last Sunday. Last last Sunday, uh, lost in overtime. Looked flat. Came back. Hosted the Lakers, who are the best team in basketball right now. Uh, they've still only lost three games. They're on pace to win 70. And uh, they they dominated Pepsi Center. They, then they go on the road. And Brooklyn, uh, they got an easy win against New York. I think that's the best thing you could say. Yep. Um, and they have a real challenge tonight against Philadelphia. Philadelphia still hasn't lost on their home court. Uh, there's a game against Boston in there. that I think the, the, the positive takeaways you can take away for the Nuggets is Jokic is starting to play more aggressive. Um, if Nikola can get back in his groove, this team will be okay. They shot well from three one game, and then they they struggle from the other side. So um, they'll find it. I, I was interested to see it. I'm going to look this up later today to see where all the teams that have won an NBA championship where they sat positionally on December 10th. And that seems like a really odd day, but it's just early on in the season. You know, 25 games in or so. Where do they sit? Are they? in their role are they you know middle of the pack or could they be out of the playoff picture it, it's an odd year for the west because we haven't seen anything like this it's always been warriors at the top and then teams battling below but it's really open i mean you could say the lakers have been the warriors of the nba this year so you could you could definitely say that and so i think this early in the season you, you pointed out the date as far as it being december 10th and, and the difference in the standings um in, in December, January, you know, you're really looking to be to be ahead of the pack. You know, the Lakers, you're looking to be you're three and a half games up if you're the Lakers um, in the Western Conference. If you're the Bucks in the East, you're three games up and three and a half games over the Heat, who are in third place. Um, so right now, you're, you're really looking to stay up about three and a half to four to five games up. But it's not until about February, March, April to where you see the, the, the big difference in... Um, in games at least that's that's what your goal is you know you want to build that three and a half four game lead right now and then come february come march come april you really want to be pushing towards eight to nine games and really really leave your mark on the on the um the standings in the regular season yeah the, the lakers are four or five losses ahead of every single team in the, NBA. The, the lakers have only lost three games all season long yeah so they're on pace to do something that we haven't seen in like two years or so which is kind of funny to say <laughs> 73 nine um you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see tonight. Uh, Jokic really won the first battle of the year yeah. between him and Embiid, and that was at mile high, thin air, and Embiid is, you know, not a great athlete. I wouldn't say Jokic is a great athlete Let, either, though. No, uh, Jokic is... Neither of them are very inclined to run, I think. It's, I mean, they're great athletes down on the block. They have incredible footwork and hand-eye coordination and all that good stuff, but they just aren't inclined... What's the word? I'm not a runner, so I don't know. They can't really run. Conditioned? A lot. Conditioned. There you go. They're not really conditioned? So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the tables turn in a, a hostile crowd in Philadelphia. Uh, hopefully Spike Esther's there tonight um, yelling on the on the table. We'll see. Maybe a fight breaks out tonight. There was almost a couple fights last night in the Avs game. Uh, I think it's seven straight games with a point now for them. Lost in overtime to Calgary. The first time they've lost to Calgary, and it feels like two years. Yeah. Um, and they've played a lot of times. This would be the third matchup there, 2-0 this year. Uh, beat them 4-1 to in the the first round of the playoffs last year. It was the first game all year that the, the Avs have played without Campbell Carr, and it really showed defensively. I mean, Samuel Girard had a pretty rough game. 
started pucks over, um, but made some good plays defensively. Um, and Grubauer out again. I mean, it's not super serious, but again, like this guy can't hasn't stayed in the net, and it's hard to get in. It's it's less about wanting to have him in that net every night, or more about he's gonna be out of rhythm if he's not in the net. It's like an yeah. NBA shooter. If you're subbing them in and out, there's no way that they're gonna get into rhythm and shoot well. Unless they're Ray Allen, you know what I mean? And even then. So, it'll be interesting to see. Um, Pavel Francois played really well last night, but four goals still. I thought it was funny because after the game, in the third period, uh, Calgary scored their third goal to take a 3-2 lead. Matthew Kachuk scored that goal, but right out of a uh, TV timeout. And the in-house Pepsi Center crowd was doing the hometown hero that they mm-hmm. always do, recognize a veteran that served for our country. Yep. Um, and they scored while everybody was still standing and cheering. And <laughs> the radio people were like, you know what? He should have waited. If there's one person that would score while they're cheering on the hometown hero, it's Matthew <laughs> Kuchuk, which is hilarious because that's totally like he. you can't tell someone not to score because they're doing something in the stadium. That's stupid. But um. Kuchuk's just the guy that you hate. <laughs> he's a oh. he's a great player. It was really cool to see uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk live because they are really good. Uh, one of my favorite things about so well, what we said earlier in the year, I guess I said that I was going to pay a lot more attention to the Avs team and pay a lot more attention to hockey in general. And uh, one of the things that um, basically I said on the podcast was that I was going to be the biggest Avs fan and at least pay more attention. And so. Something that's really struck me, maybe I, I watch more coaching than I do, than I ever have before, um, but Jared Bednar, really, I mean, he um, is one of my favorite coaches that I think I've ever watched, or at least um, watched coach, even though I don't know much about the game of hockey in general, but he he tells the players just straight up how it is, you know, and he doesn't really um, reward players with, with good feedback or what whatever it may be, um, probably as much as he should, but at the end of the day, Jared Bednar is honest, and if... I want to. Ha- I would want to have a coach that would rather be straight up and honest rather than sugarcoat it and and, and put chocolate chips on on the cookies. You know, um, a, the, a post game interview yesterday, Jared Bednar basically ripped the entire Avs team and said, "Listen, we had a great road trip. You know, we had an absolutely phenomenal road trip where we we beat Boston, we beat all these really good teams on the road in their house, and then we come back to to Colorado against a a, a good Calgary team." And we just flat out shit the bed. That's basically what it, what, he, what he made it sound like. He made it sound like you know X player, X player, and Y player did not play well tonight. And he can single-handedly point those guys out. And I think the Avs are better because of it. Oh, absolutely. And you ha- you have to keep in mind this team is one point out of the top spot in the Western Conference. It, yep. They're they're nineteen eight and three. They have forty one points. They only trail St. Louis, who is eighteen seven and six with forty two points. Uh, they're seven two and one in their last nine or last ten, uh, and and they're only behind Boston, New York, and Washington. So they have the highest point differential, or they have the second highest point differential uh, in the NHL behind Boston. They are plus twenty nine versus plus twenty seven. Mm. Um, I saw a stat today that Ryan Graves, a name that you probably really haven't heard of, is number one in plus minus in the wow. NHL right now. So they're and with all the injuries that they have. I mean, the, I was like, thinking about it the other day, but they're undefeated when their core five are together. When Grubauer, McKinnon, Landis Cog, Ranton, and Makar are on the ice, or not necessarily on the ice, but undefeated. in the lineup, they haven't lost yet this year. That's great to see. So they just got to get healthy. I mean, you're never going to be 100% healthy in an NHL season, but 
they're in a good spot. They're number one, they're number two again in uh, ROW. I think that's return over wins or something weird like that. You know, fancy stats. But I don't know. They, they're right in the middle of the pack, and and that's the thing. Like the expectations for both these teams, the Nuggets and the Avs, were regulation plus overtime wins. Yeah, let's see. I told you it was there. Um, the their their expectations, both teams were astronomical astronomically high and it feels like they both have they both have really gone different directions the Avs have worked towards meeting those expectations while the Nuggets are kind of mediocre yep and it just reminds me a lot of the 2019 that they were good they were really good it's probably one of the best Nuggets teams that's ever played in blue and gold and they ran into the Lakers Yep, it just feels right. it just feels like they're gonna have this good year to finish out the year. They're gonna be like on their high. They're gonna get to the Western Conference Finals and they're gonna get swept by the Lakers. That's just yeah. what it feels like. And yeah. So, what do you do? What, how do you compete against LeBron James and Anthony Davis? You honestly can't. The only thing that you could really hope for is that the Lakers go number one and the Clippers fall to number four, and you hope the Lakers and the Clippers can battle it out in the in the semifinal um, round. Well, yeah, like, and and then you can hope that you get the you get the two seed or the three seed, and you hope that you can meet the Lakers or the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. That's that's really your only hope, because you're not going to beat the Lakers in the semifinal round. You're not going to beat the Clippers in the semifinals. So you got to hope that those two teams can play against each other in that semifinal. Well, and and that's the same argument we made last year. Like Warriors Rockets, they need to play each other. Yeah, and they did, and they beat up on each other. Yep. But we just couldn't get past the Trailblazers. But, but it was the same story on the other side. The yep. Trailblazers and the Nuggets beat up on each other for seven games. Yep. So Portland looked really bad at the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, they didn't necessarily look bad because they had leads in almost all, I think, all four of those games. But they blew all of them because they were tired. They they were beat up. And I think the Nuggets would have put a similar performance up. So it, it's just, it'll be an interesting stretch. I mean, you can't really pinpoint one thing that's gone wrong for the Nuggets. They're top. Five in defense. Yeah, I was they gonna say that that's off. the brightest part. Brightest yeah. spot of this of this Nuggets team is the defense, which is crazy to think because a year ago, two years ago, we were in the bottom third of the league as far as defensive metrics. You just sit here and you think like, is there a move that they can make that will alter the season and really put them into the next category of contenders? Because right now their ceiling is the Western Conference Finals. They it just is. they just don't have the firepower to compete. I would I don't even know if their ceiling is the Western Conference Finals. It might be lower than that. You might be looking at a ceiling more so of of semifinal round again. Uh, or first round of the this, playoffs, depending on who they match up against. This team is taking that next step though, that they, they believe day in and day out that they're gonna battle whatever team is on the other side of the court. I I can believe that they can go seven games with anybody in this in the NBA right now. Man. Even the, even the Lakers, I, I I think they could battle it out. They played, I think they won in L.A. and then lost at home so far. Uh, but it 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 is it'll be really interesting to see what if they make any moves. I know Coach Malone has started to play Juancho Hernan Gomez a little bit more. Yeah, and he's looked he's looked decent. You know, he really has looked a lot better than what I think you could expect from Juancho. But and a lot of the complaints are why are we not seeing more of Torrey Craig and Michael Porter Jr. So. It's it's interesting to see but what what he'll do. Somebody else who's looked really good is Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant has looked. I think he's looked solid. Um, 
Paul Millsap is a guy that's making $30 million a year this year, and I think next year he's not going to be a nugget, and Jeremy Grant's going to be the one to step up and, and be a starter in next year's rotation. Yeah, not I, that you're looking past this year already, <laughs> but um, the reality of it is, is that Paul Millsap is, is getting older, and you can't rely on Paul Millsap to put up the numbers that he is producing. Yeah, you can't. that's not something that, can, that he can consistently do throughout this entire season, and I would expect Jeremy Grant to take on more of a role come the second half of this basketball season it'll be really interesting to see tonight it'll be really interesting to see what this Nuggets team will do going forward when they face adversity right yeah what happens when the first injury happens to one of their key five I mean you you look at last year they played what three or four games all season long together yeah on the court the same starting five from opening night and so far this year they played almost every game together and you're seeing similar results so what happens when they the depth has to step up, and this depth, the depth of this team has been a strong suit for years. It, it'll just be really interesting to see. Right, that's one, really all you can put. Really, one of my one thing to look out for tonight um, for Ben Simmons, I guess, is to really look for um, what he does as far as statistically. His head coach challenged him to basically get one three point shot a night and eight free throw attempts, and so it'll be really interesting to see if. Uh, if the Nuggets can really neutralize Ben Simmons as far as attacking the rim and giving him an open shot. I mean, think about that. If he can continue to build on that, I mean, if he can shoot two or three threes a game and make them, if he can get to the free throw line eight times a game, plus the 20 points that he's already going to score, plus the 12 assists that he's already going to get, plus the 13 rebounds, yeah, that is a scary player. He may not necessarily be the best player in the NBA, but he's going to make his team the best team in the NBA. 100%. And that, that's why he went number one overall, and that's why they waited on him because he has the potential to change a franchise. Magic Johnson's not the best player in the NBA history, in the NBA, in NBA history, but he sure as hell made his team one of the best teams in NBA. Put it simply that. You know who else is making his team the best in history? You better say Drew Locke. Well, duh. Drew Locke, man. Drew Locke is the heir to the throne. Drew Locke is the savior of this Broncos franchise. Drew Locke, put a gold jacket on him, get his ring size, because the Broncos are going to be relevant for the next 10 years, at least the next 10 years. It's, um, been, it's been two games. I, I don't want to hear it. Just, <laughs> just hold up. Hold up. Drew Locke, the first quarterback since the Super Bowl era, which is 1966, to throw for 300-plus yards and three touchdowns in his first career road start. Tell me that's not interesting. It's interesting. You're correct. First quarterback since the Super Bowl era, which was in 1966, I believe, to throw for 300-plus yards, three TDs, in his first career road start. And not only that, to do it against a, a Super Bowl-contending Houston Texans team that just came off one of their biggest wins probably in, in their season, coming off against a win against the Patriots at home. You know? It was a trap game for Houston, if I'm being honest. The Broncos took advantage of this trap game because the 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 Texans had just played against the Patriots. They just beat them, and then they had the Broncos, and then uh, next week they go to Nashville to play against the Titans. So it was Ooh. a trap game. Hey, and that game is going to decide that division. That's yeah. the craziest part. They, no, they got two games against against uh, Nashville. They got one this week, and then they they play somebody else. I think it's like the Colts or somebody, and then and then they host. Um, Nashville. This game is going to decide the division, yeah. whether whether they play again or not. Yeah. Um, especially with the Colts on the schedule, it may be the week after, and they may be when they face the Colts. But that that game is going to decide the division. But Drew Locke hit ten different receivers in Sunday's win. 
38 to 24. Drew Locke hits 10 different receivers. He throws for three touchdowns. He only throws one pick. I'll take that. Three touchdowns and a pick. I would live with that every single game. I saw you staring there when you were watching the game. I looked at you and you were sitting there. And you were sitting there like like that. Watching the game? Let me build it. Let me build it for you. You're sitting there on your couch. Okay, I'm sitting there on my couch watching CBS the game. CBS 4 is on the screen. Okay. You got the one and only Chris Berman announcing the game. Not okay. mistaken. Was it Chris Berman or I don't know. No, it wasn't Chris Berman. Uh, I'm blanking. One of the greatest announcers of all time. Chris Harlan. Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan is announcing the game. You see Drew Locke come in. He throws his three touchdowns in the first first quarter. 300 yards. I see what's happening, yeah. You're face-to-face -face with greatness, and it's strange. You don't even know how you feel. It's, it's adorable. It was adorable watching you watch that game. Just watching you fall in love with Drew Locke. I fell in love with two, Drew Locke on Sunday. Two, two games into his career. I mean, the 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 thing that I'll make my point before you go in-depth here. He looked good for a rookie quarterback. The thing with rookie quarterbacks is there's no film. The, the Texans were coming off college film, essentially, of Drew Locke. So they didn't know what to expect. They had one game of NFL time, really. But Drew Locke, it wasn't necessarily about his success off his arm talent and his ability to move outside the pocket. It was more about his reads, right? Yeah. He hit 10 different receivers. Yep. Uh, and that's the most important part. And that's not a sleeper of a Texans defense. It's not like he was facing the Browns defense. That He was facing a good defense, and he put up the most points that this team has put up all year, 38 points. So... Well, I mean, he didn't put up all 38. The defense was clutch. And yeah. It was the best Broncos game that I've seen in three years. It was just something that was interesting to watch again. We said, But how many times have we said this over the last three years? That it, Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch and Brandon Allen and even Joe Flacco. Like, Brock Osweiler. Yeah, like all these names that they've two or three games in, they look good. And then what happens? Can they continue that? So that that's that's the point. Like, I'm all in on Drew Locke's type train. I, I'm totally okay with that. He made he made the team better. What what I'm gonna say is that um, you can't expect Drew Locke to be perfect. You can't expect Drew Locke to be this um, this quarterback that comes in and completes 95% of his passes as a rookie. There's going to be bumps in the road. Like, there's no doubt there's going to be bumps in the road. As soon as teams start to get film on Drew Locke, they're going to see his tendencies. They're going to see this Broncos offense tendencies, and uh, they're going to adapt. You know, there's no doubt about that. They're going to adapt. But it, it, in general, you just want to look at Drew Locke as a, um, a, a quarterback for these, what, eight quarters that he's played in, and really he's only had control of this offense for six of those quarters, and he's thrown five touchdowns. I mean, you can't complain. I don't think anybody could really complain about it. Um, again, just to go back to his stats from 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 Sunday's game, um, a, a, a quarterback rating of one thirty six. A quarterback rating of one thirty six. It was the second highest quarterback rating all season by any quarterback, behind the MVP, Lamar Jackson. Exactly. Um, twenty two of twenty seven. He had five incomplete passes. 
five incomplete passes for a rookie quarterback making his first start on the road in Houston against a Super Bowl contending team, five incompletions. That's a completion percentage of almost 82%. Unheard of. Any unless, threw for, unless your name's Brady or Mahomes. And he threw for 309 yards. You, I, I would never complain about a quarterback that goes out there and throws three touchdowns and interception and 300 yards. I, I couldn't complain. We, we've talked time and time again about John Elway's inability to get away from the tall, big-arm quarterback. And he finally did. He drafted Drew Locke, who is a mobile quarterback who does have a big arm, but he's not necessarily huge. We talked yeah. about that, and, about and size. We'll get into his, his draft picks in, in a bit as far as John Elway actually being a, a good drafter now. <laughs> one for two years. In. Yeah, I know. Um, but he, Drew Locke was only sacked one time this entire game. The offensive line wants to play for Drew Locke. And, yeah, you got some questions at right tackle. I believe you ha- you've had what? Uh, I think four, on both sides. Yeah. You, you've had, I think, four right tackles in the past three years. It's not good. And the, the, the sad thing is, is there's probably 20 offensive linemen in this draft that could change your franchise, like a Dalton Reisner. Yeah. And if they continue to win, they're going to fall out of that position to get at least two of them. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting draft. And the the same point goes here for the Broncos as it goes for the Nuggets. What do you do when you face adversity? They've done it all year. They face adversity, you know, all these close games where they've just lost. And they've really came back. I think that was important. But they played their best game all year where everything went right for them on Sunday. And and one of the biggest plays, I think, on Sunday was – Actually, after the Broncos scored that first touchdown um, from uh, uh, from Noah Fant, was that the defense came through and had that pick six and took it to the or it wasn't a pick six, it was, it was a, a fumble, fumble recovery, um, and uh, that that opened the game up 14-0 and really put the pressure on Houston to score that next drive. It really put the pressure on Houston to score immediately after that because otherwise you're going you're already looking at a 21-0 deficit, which ended up happening. What what does and this is the next question for Drew Locke is what do you do when things are not going right when the defense is giving up forty points what are you going to do how are you going to respond when Philip Lindsay fumbles twice in two quarters what are you going to do like he he what if Cortland Sutton can't catch or Noel fans dropping balls how are you going to respond to that and I think that's the next step that we have to see if we really believe I mean. He's up there with John Elway and Tim Tebow. One yep. of those guys is really damn good, and one of those guys is doing TV. Yep. <laughs> so it, 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 it's going to be very interesting to see, and uh, I think there will be a lot of people out there sitting like, happening, yeah. looking really, really adorable. It's adorable. What can I say? And Drew Locke definitely has a big test coming up this, these next two, two or three weeks. Um, we got to travel to Arrowhead and play against the Chiefs next Sunday. And I think this game will be a tell-all a tell-all sign as far as Drew Locke's performance, the defense's performance, and exactly how the Broncos are going to respond. And again, it could be another trap game for Kansas City. It really could be another trap game for for the Chiefs. Because they just played against New England. They just won big in Foxborough. They, they'd beaten Oakland the previous week before that, and they, they stomped on them like 40-9. to nine. And then you host Denver, a hot Denver Broncos team, before you go play in Chicago next Sunday on Sunday Night Football. It's a trap game for Kansas City. So if there's a game that the Broncos are going to win, it could be this game. It could be this game. 
because his last game against Houston was probably the biggest game since Super Bowl 50 for the Broncos. I can't think of another game that's just as big as this Broncos-Texans win. I mean, I can think of that Cowboys game when when Ezekiel Elliott ran for 20 yards against the Broncos' defense. But that was really early in the year, and it really meant nothing except – Exactly. Yeah. And so you you could look at that game, but as far as coming out and and performing the way the Broncos did in an emphatic way in Houston against a Super Bowl contending team, this was the biggest game since Super Bowl 50. It 100% was the biggest game since Super Bowl 50, and I can say that with a fact. Let me see him do it again. That's that's really all I can say is what do it again. Okay. Drew Locke wasn't even the best player on the field yesterday or on Sunday, excuse me. Kareem Jackson was probably the best player on the field on Sunday. Kareem Jackson uh, he was a former Texan, right? Former secondary, former big piece in that secondary. Broncos picked him up in, in free agency. John Elway, I guess, picked him up in free agency, one of his his only good moves that he's ever had in free agency. 11 tackles a 70-yard fumble return for a touchdown, an interception, and did you see that hit on DeAndre Hopkins? He absolutely lit DeAndre Hopkins up. If there's a definition for tone setter, it's it's a picture of that hit. And one thing you heard from people is that the Broncos were too confident on Sunday. They were playing with too much confidence. Andre Ward said that. He, he's the commentator for the Houston Texans radio, and he, he called Drew Locke and said that he was overconfident. That's exactly what this team needs, and I and I think people probably could have said that about Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt when they came up in Houston. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't think he means it with full intentions, but this team needs that overconfidence until they get rocked, and maybe that will happen against the Chiefs. Maybe they'll get beat 42-8 again. But you know what? They're going to go out there and play, and I think a lot more people are going to tune in this week. That's the truth. Um, is John Elway – a good drafter now. <laughs> and I, I ask this because we've got seven picks in the first four rounds of this upcoming draft. I know we're looking ahead, but we've got seven picks in the first four rounds. In 2019, John Alley drafted Noah Fant, Dalton Reisner, Drew Locke, and Juwan Winfrey. And Juwan Winfrey is a wide receiver that we got in the sixth round. That I'm I'm excited that we still get to see him. He hasn't, he hasn't played much, if at all, but I'm excited to see Juwan Winfrey play, and I hope he gets into the next three games. I hope we can see him suit up. Some, something has changed because if you look at the last two years, I mean, Bradley Chubb, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, like you said, Fant, Reisner, Locke, and Winfrey, this team is, I mean, the last two years have been some of the best draft picks we've seen since Vaughn Miller and Demarius Thomas, right? Yeah, because, again, if you go back to 2017, your first round, your first pick was Garrett Bowles, and then you go to Demarcus Walker, Carlos Henderson, Brandon Langley, Jake Butt, Isaiah McKenzie, Chad Kelly. Not a single one of those players is still on this. Well, who Garrett Bowles is. Yeah. Okay, you want to go to 2016? Get this one. Paxton Lynch, Adam Gotsis, Justin Simmons, Devontae Booker, who, eh. Well, Justin Simmons, yeah. Yeah. And Devontae Booker. Andy, Jan- Andy Yanovich. I mean, that's a better draft. A- but you also have to remember they're picking last in every round. Yeah. Because and, they won a Super Bowl. And that was Paxton Lynch, who basically was supposed to be the highlight of that 2016 draft class and basically turned into nothing. From, for the Broncos' standpoint. but He only ends up playing five games for the Broncos. He, he was drafted with intentions of replacing Peyton Manning. Yeah. And that is, in itself, a okay. whole nother world. So, so get this one. 2015, 
Shane Ray, which which was a good pick, right? I'll take that one. Uh, Max Garcia, does that? Nope. Darius Kilgo, Trevor Simeon. I mean, he's starting to get the flow. 2014, Bradley Roby, which was a good pick. I'll say that. Cody Latimer, which was another decent pick. But then you go to to Michael Schofield, Lamin Barrow, uh, Matt Paredes, and Corey Nelson. Like it's just these these names are slowly starting to fall off because John Elway did not get into the rhythm of drafting good players and until the last two or three two years I would say. Well, and the really best two part, years. the best part is now they have seven picks in four rounds, so yeah. they're gonna be in set the first off. four rounds. Yeah, not yeah. Uh, 2013, Sylvester Williams, Monte Ball, Kayvon Webster. I I see this team doing a lot like the Colts did last year, where they really shine with their youngsters uh, and really start to get as long as Drew Locke can stay healthy and continue to learn it learn the system that Rich Gangarillo is trying to in- endorse and you know it's funny because last week we came on here and said there's no way that he comes back and his offensive play calling was horrible and then he puts together a game like he did against Houston calling calling plays and do you but- still think that that's the case he shouldn't come back if he's going to co- call plays like that it's all dependent on these last three games and how good Drew Locke actually does. Because if we put up 30 points against the Chiefs and 30 points against the Raiders, then psh, Rick Scannagrello has a job. Because that's something that the Broncos offense hasn't done all season long, is put up more than 24 points. Don't forget about the Lions in there. That's an easy throwaway game on a Saturday. Um, either way, it's just it, it just seems like if Rich Scannagrello can, can put together another 30-point game this season, his job... Is pretty much safe, I would say. I'd say his job is safe. I think, and I said the same thing, I don't see them going with a big move to go away from an offensive coordinator, especially after one year. It's the same thing goes for Vance Joseph. It, it just didn't make sense to move away from him after one year. So it, it'll be interesting to see. But what are our expectations against the Chiefs this Sunday? We haven't beat the Chiefs. I say we as in the Broncos. Haven't beat the Chiefs since September 17th. 2015. That was the last time that the Broncos beat the Chiefs. That was in Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken, and that was the game, the Peyton Manning game. Was that? Pretty sure. No. It was early in the year. It was a late game. I think it was a Monday night game. No, I think it was... It was not just a normal Sunday. Maybe Sunday night, but it was not a normal Sunday game. 31-24. 31-24. Yeah, that's one touchdown. Broncos won 31-24. That's one touchdown. Interesting. Okay. Uh, it was the Peyton Manning game. You're right. I don't lie. I think. I don't lie. Before. Yep. Peyton Manning, 26 for 45, 256 yards, three touchdowns, and interception. Sounds awfully familiar to, to Drew Locke. Maybe the com- completion percentage for Drew Locke was a little bit better, but... Still, nonetheless, uh, Chiefs open up as 10.5-point favorites. Wow. Would you look at that? You know, against the Texans, not only did the Broncos um, win, but they covered Houston's cover, which was, what, uh, nine points, I believe, or uh, eight and a half points? Something like that, man. Something like that. But either way, the Broncos covered Houston's cover in that game. Um Again, like I said, this is a trap game for Kansas City. You got Sunday Night Football at Chicago next weekend. You already clinched the division. At this point, the Chiefs are playing for a top spot. At least in the AFC. Uh, No. 
Because you win these next three games, you finish uh, 12 and 4. Yeah, the, the, the Baltimore Ravens already won 12 games. Yeah, and so that, now you got to hope that New England loses another one or two games. Another one game. And then you have the, the tiebreaker over New England since you beat them. Um, can Drew Locke sustain his success against a team that has dominated the AFC West for the past four seasons since the Broncos won Super Bowl 15 or 50? I don't know. Can, uh, he, can he sustain his success? It's a homecoming week for him. He grew up in Summit, Missouri, which is about 22 miles right outside of Kansas City. It's a homecoming game. How can you not love to play against your hometown team in your third career start? Going back to Missouri, he's going to have some fun. I, I think that's an important key. I'll ask you this question. Would you bet with the Broncos here as 10.5 underdogs? I would. I would bet for the Broncos. Because, again, it's a trap game. I the, the Broncos' offense is hot. It is hot. It is smoking hot. You if yeah, if yeah, if you had to pick four, it's just one of the games in the NFL this week that you're picking for an upset. Yeah, I, I mean that's a. Or do you just pick the Chiefs on a Sunday? You know, Arrowhead. It's gonna be cold. Broncos never play well in Arrowhead. It, it, I don't know. It just. I would. I would still take the Broncos. I don't think they beat us by 11 points. I don't think they beat us by 11 points. Drew Locke versus Patrick Mahomes. This is going to be the matchup to see for the next 10 years in the AFC West. Drew Locke and Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be a great battle. It's marquee head-to-head quarterbacks, and it's going to be a great battle for at least the next decade, I would say. Vic Fangio said that Locke needs to play a clean game. Again, 5-2 to two touchdown to interception ratio isn't necessarily that bad, but he needs to play a clean game, especially against the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. You yeah, the Honey Badger. Oh, I, I I know who he is. I was watching his uh, highlights from uh, LSU, LSU the other day. Um, I also saw that he had just um, he had just did a uh, commentary for a video for LSU, um, commentating for uh, LSU's quarterback. And all of a sudden, I'm drawing blanks. Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow. There you go. They they put together a little highlight reel for Joe Burrow, and uh, Tyron Matthew was the one uh, um, commentating it. It's pretty sweet to see. I'll have to, I'll have to find it again. Um, but, again, just like I said, Drew Locke versus Patrick Mahomes this Sunday. It's going to be a great game. I'm stoked to see it. couple final questions here. Do you think Lamar Jackson's now the for sure MVP yes. of this league? Yep. Uh, do you think the the Niners or the Ravens are the favorites to win the Super Bowl? I don't think it's either of those teams, to be honest. You think it's the Patriots? So? I, th- I think it's still the Patriots. Until, somebody can, until you can go into Foxborough and beat them, in January, I'm still going to say the pa- the Patriots are favorites. Even with the allegations swirling around yep. them? Yep. They're still favorites. Okay. They're still favorites. Um, where do you think the Broncos finished? Do you think they finished in the last place in the division? Uh, I don't think that's even statistically possible anymore. I think Chargers have lost the last two games. No, they just won. They just beat. Or they just won on Sunday. You got the Broncos at five and eight, the Chargers at five and eight, the Raiders at six and seven, and the Chiefs at nine and four. They've won both games. They just—it doesn't seem like something that's going to happen. I—I I think if anything, they can sneak up into second place with how they're playing because we got, we got a game against the Raiders still. They got a game we, against the Raiders. They got a game against the Lions, which is like you said, a throwaway game. 
We could totally do it. We could fight in the second place in the division. Do you want to? I mean, that CBS put the Browns at what five and seven as a playoff contender, or five and eight. I mean, I, there's still a one percent chance. Point one percent, I think. <laughs> So, so you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. I would take that. Um, it actually does have the Broncos as in the hunt I for mean, the playoffs. They, they've been every year the past three years. They they make this run once they start to figure things out, and then they fall off, and then they make all these big changes thinking that they can change it in one year. And they it's, it's, it's an endless loop until they can find consistency and – the two wild card teams in there right now, the Steelers at eight and five and the Bills at nine and four. Which is crazy to think the Steelers, who lost their quarterback at the first week of the season, traded away their one of their draft picks that was an early draft pick, mm-hmm. lost their best receiver in history. Uh, hey, don't diss Heinz Ward and San Antonio Holmes like that. Antonio Brown is good, but statistically, I don't know. San Antonio Holmes and, and Heinz Ward were damn good wide receivers. If Antonio Brown kept playing and didn't have the issues that he has he would be the best, one of the best wide receivers in NFL history, let alone Steelers history. So it, it, it's, it's not even a question. Hmm. Not even a question. Not even a question. All right, let's move on to Major League Baseball, free agency, and the winter meetings. Um, we got a couple things to talk about the Rockies. We got to talk about Steven Strasburg, Garrett Cole, and, and basically the Cubbies. Um, what do the Rockies need to do to target this offseason during the winter meetings? Well, they definitely said catcher is a, a place that they need to look to back up Tony, Tony Walters. Walters, who's taking the next step. Uh, but even then, I, I, I don't even know if that's something that they'll make a move for, especially with Grandal off the market. It just didn't make sense for them to sign a big-name catcher when they have Tony Walters. They're looking for someone that can come and play, you know, 82 games a year. Yeah, exactly. Up, start on Sundays, you know. Um, but um, is that a guy that Dom Nunez can be? I mean, I he mean, looked good in September. Yeah, but in September, you're, he, he got late at-bats against teams that were putting in relievers just that he saw all year um, in AAA. So. Okay, that's fair to say. Uh, but I don't, I don't know, man. It, there's not really anything that you can really say. I mean, a fourth outfielder, that you can, you can listen to trade for a fourth outfielder. Um, well, speaking of outfield... I think there's there's still going to be a lot of moves that the Rockies end up making. Um, again, I don't think Ian Desmond is going to be a part of this roster next season. I don't believe so. I don't want to say that Ian Desmond is going to be a Rocky next season. Uh, same thing with Wade Davis. I don't believe the Ro- Rockies are going to take a, another chance on him. I mean, if they do, he'll be a sixth or seventh inning guy. He's not going to come in and be a closer next year. I mean, that's a very interesting point. What does Bud Black do with Wade Davis this this year? Because he kind of just hit him on the the bench in the bullpen the rest of the year. He didn't I'm, really use him. It, it's Scott Oberg's role. Scott Oberg is the closer of this of this Rockies team. And I think everybody just needs needs to accept that already. That it's not Wade Davis anymore. It's Scott Oberg. Um again, Ian Desmond, Romel Tapia is another really interesting piece as far as if you you can't really trade him cuz you're not going to get much for him. Something I've always said about him is is that the Major League Baseball doesn't need a slap-hitting left-handed hitter that is subpar in the outfield as far as defensive metrics goes. You can't really trade Ramil Tapia. You're not going to get much for him. And what is he providing? You? What is he giving you on the bench? Subpar base running skills too. I, these are all players. I mean, they they really just have to take the hit on Wade Davis and Brian Shaw and just cut these guys. 
but at the, at, I, I get their point because nobody's going to take them. Cutting them is only going to hurt you, so you might as well just keep them. I, I think Brian Shaw is a guy that still can be traded. I think Brian Shaw is a guy that you can you can trade to a team like um, like the, the Royals, a team that has a lot of cap space, like the Orioles, and you can just say, okay, here's Brian Shaw, eat $20 million, and we'll give you a, a top 20 prospect. And they eat twenty million dollars. That, that's which that's really what you have to do if you want to trade Brian Shaw, Ian Desmond, um, or Wade Davis. You pretty much have to attach a top twenty prospect to it and say, "Here, eat that, eat this contract, and we'll give you a prospect." Yeah, a team like the White Sox might be someone who's interested in that, right? They're just on the other side of their rebuild. Rebuild. What if they need a, a veteran that could cheer up their lineup? Yeah, Ian Desmond might hit 180 in April, but he's going <laughs> to bounce back. But, but he'll hit 320 the rest of the season. Exactly, and that's something that they can use. And it's a veteran presence in the locker room and uh, in the clubhouse. So I, 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 what kind of moves can this roster, can this team make? It, it just doesn't seem like their kind of offseason to make any moves. Um, I've always said that I think Charlie Blackman needs to be traded or at least needs to be removed from right field. His defensive metrics in, in – in, Right field puts Charlie Blackman at literally the bottom five in the league in right field. He is that bad in right field. You put him in left field, not, and you'll, you'll never hear me complain again about his outfield because left field is a much easier position to play. His numbers support him playing left field. His numbers support him playing left field. I mean, hell, put him at first base. I don't even care. Just get him out of right field. It, it just makes you wonder if there's something like psychological with him or something like that that he just doesn't yeah. want to play left field and he says – but Black every day, he's like, I'll pencil you in and left today, Charlie. And he's like, nope, I, I can't see the ball well out and left. It, it's got to yeah. be something like that. Uh, well, because, I mean, if, if you look at the numbers, David Dahl is the, the best right fielder. He's got the strongest arm in a big right field, in a, in a, a spacious outfield. He's got the strongest arm. He covers the most ground. I, I think putting David Dahl in right field is the – what the Rockies need to do, and then you could even put somebody like Sam Hilliard or, or Garrett Hampson in center field. Well, and, and that and was the, the next point to make is you looked at the roster last year. If you were to do that, you would have to move Garrett Hampson into center field, to be completely honest with you, yeah. and you lose that offensive production. And Garrett Hampson has not been a above-average or an at-average baseball player in Major League Baseball hitting-wise. So you'd lose that power in the lineup you're hitting with eight players seven yeah. players essentially in nano so if, if it was up to me the four outfield if the rockies had four outfielders come opening day in 2020 i would choose charlie blackman to play left field garrett hampson and sam hilliard to play center and then david Dahl to be in right well i think Dahl and blackman are your for sure yep i think hilliard's at the top of the pack of the three that you have there i guess four um, and then it's really Desmond and Tapia's game to win. I, I still don't think Hampson has made enough of an impact. At you don't the major think? League you level. still don't think so? No. He had a great September. It, one month. That, that, that's really what you have to say. He again. He's playing against a bunch of teams that have a bunch of AAA players playing for them. Gosh, I don't. I because what else are you going to do with Garrett Hampson? You can't send him down to the minor leagues, and he's too good of a player, too young of a player yeah. to just cut or to trade. He, he he could be that fourth infielder. I think he, that's really he, where he's going to be. I think they parted ways with Pat Valleca. Um To make room for Garrett Hampson. I, I believe that. Right. And Pat Valleca's position was middle infielder off the bench. And 
that's where Garrett Hampson will see his time. But what about Brendan Rodgers? Where's he going to see his time at? Hey, he can go back to the AAA when he gets healthy until he figures out what went wrong when Be- he came because up. Because your infielders are looking more like the, the Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Ryan McMahon. And again, if, if Daniel Murphy is a part of this team, then obviously Daniel Murphy will play first base. But if not, then I think Ryan McMahon is playing first base. Or you even have a guy in, in Josh Fuentes playing first base. He looked good in, in April and May when, when he got the call up to play um, to play first base. If you look at the the history of this franchise, if you look at when they have trusted in their young players to start a season, it's very rare, but you look at Trevor Story and yep. his historic start. You look at the historic start of David Dahl once he started he to get his great. feet under yeah. himself. You look at even Ryan McMahon last year when he finally got consistent playing time. If you can find consistent play time for Josh Fuentes, for Sam Hilliard, for all these different guys that have really worked their butts off in AAA and really haven't found time, I mean, who knows what can happen. And Daniel Murphy's the guy that can be traded. He's the guy that, that puts up solid offensive numbers, and I wouldn't be surprised to see if he gets traded to a team like the Indians or um, the White Sox or, or, or even a team like the Yankees. It's just historically Jeff Breidich has not been a guy that likes to make trades, and I, it doesn't feel like he's changed his mind whatsoever. It seems like a, an offseason where he's going to say, some things went wrong for us last year. That doesn't mean we're a bad team. That means that we're going to go back at it again this year with a very similar roster with a couple different changes. We're not going to make any big moves, trading Charlie Blackman, trading our core of Daniel Murphy and Ian Desmond. They're just going to make small changes. Hopefully that their players have grown internally, and you're going to see a very similar roster this year. It, it, it just doesn't make sense for them to make any changes. I mean, you get a healthy Marquez, a healthy Freeland, a healthy Gray. Those are three top-of-the-line starters when they're healthy. A, a quote that really stood out for me from Jeff Breidich, um, something that he said this past week was, quote, this is the time of the year where you have all of those sorts of conversations, and teams inquire on your guys and say, hey, would you even think about trading this guy or that guy? That's usually how it goes for us when you're talking about um, about trading whatever player. Uh, would, um, and if you ever do consider moving a guy like that, you got to make sure that we're a part of that conversation. That's basically how it goes. It's not going to happen. It, it, I, if anything, they move Trevor Story. No, I, I think if anything, they're moving Charlie Blackman. But they've signed. Nobody wants that contract. We've been Trevor Story. You, I wouldn't be surprised to see, to see him go to a team like Toronto. The Rockies in Toronto, um, okay, I'll put it this way. The, Jeff Breidish and the rest of the Rockies team, um, they don't make a lot of trades simply because of the fact that they have a different um, rating system as far as measuring guys' talents and abilities right. um, than the rest of Major League Baseball. The The Blue Jays and the, and the Rockies have similar points of emphasis as far as trading guys and, and what they want to get out of and, and what they want to want to get rid of. Uh, and so that's why you've seen a lot of trades with the Rockies and Blue Jays as far as too low to the – to the Blue Jays, or you want to see Songwon Oh coming to the Rockies from the Blue Jays. Um, you see lots of trades between the Rockies and Blue Jays because of that fact. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Rockies and Blue Jays put their heads together again this offseason and, and try to come up with another trade. Yeah, if if Breidich makes a trade, I would put my money on it going between them and Toronto. But what does Toronto have that Colorado could want? I mean, if, if, if you're really looking to make a splash as far as um, making big trades... Um, could you could you look at trading like a, a Brendan Rodgers and Charlie Blackman or Brendan Rodgers and um, like a, a David Dahl or somebody for for the Blue Jays um, shortstop? Who's the guy? That I'm Freddie Galvis? No, no. Um, 
former Rocky's son. Now I'm drawing oh, blanks. Oh, they would never trade Bo Bichette. That oh, Bo Bichette. Yeah. You don't think they would trade Bo if, if the package is right and you say, hey, here's David Dahl, Charlie Blackman, and Brendan Rodgers. You don't think they would make that trade? As, as good as Bo Bichette played last year in Toronto, there's no way. They have a court. I mean, now that you've mentioned it, I mean, Bo Bichette, and uh, they're not far off in Toronto offensively defensively they need to figure out their pitching um especially after trading marcus stroman but it, it there won't be any moves this offseason they may pick up one or two people that you, like a daniel murphy kind of thing where you're like why did they pay all this money to one guy that is kind of middle of the mm. pack that's what's going to happen it, it just there's no sense of urgency and it they don't necessarily need it gray and freeland and marquez that 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 those three I didn't even mention Sensatella. Um, if they could get another left-hander that's healthy and consistent, you oh. don't even mention the, uh, the kid. I don't even remember his name. It's been so long. What is his name? I don't know who you're talking about here. Dude who made his debut in Chicago and came back and played against Chicago. Wow, you don't even Peter know. Lambert is that yeah, who you're talking there about? It is okay. If, if Peter Lambert can get back to what he started with, I mean. Okay, let's move on to, to the rest of the Major League Baseball. Steven Strasburg signs with the Nationals for seven years, $245 million, which is the highest price for a pitcher right now, at least for, for the next week or so until Garrett Cole decides to sign. But Anthony, how does this affect Anthony Rendon? Because Anthony Rendon is probably not going back to the Nationals now. Exactly. That's, that's the change that's made, right? Now Anthony Rendon is not going to be – Heading back to Washington. It's simple as that. It, it's no longer an option. Teams that are looking into Anthony Rendon include the Angels, um, the Padres. Um, the Angels have said every year that they're in on somebody, and when have they ever made a deal other than Albert Pujols? Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're really not making any big deals. They t- they're all taught. And you think so? I, I think that will continue. Okay, so let's say Garrett Cole. You think Garrett Cole is not even looking at Oh, yeah. Los Angeles. You don't. You don't think. Garrett Cole has said that it, it doesn't matter. Um, location is not a, a concern for him. That it, it's mostly about um, who is, who who gives him the highest price. That's that's basically where he's signing. He says whoever's going to give me the most money, that's where I'm signing. Garrett Cole is going to end up in New York. Oh man, no. But it could not necessarily be the Yankees. If the Mets can find the cap space. That is a scary rotation. The Mets don't have the cap space to, to sign him. I think it's it's a two-team race. It's the Angels what? and the Yankees. But the, I think it was Ken Rosenthal that tweeted this morning that there's a mystery team involved. There's a mystery team that could be in the in the hunt for Garrett Cole, and I think it could be the Padres. I think it really could be the Padres. Because you look back at the recent free agent signings and, and the Padres, you know, they go after Eric Hosmer. Right, and they give him they give him the bank. They give Manny Machado the bank last year. They were they were heavily interested in Steven Strasburg. So if they have the the the, the money to hustle up another thirty five to thirty seven million dollars a year for Garrett Cole, then shh, let the Padres do it. I hope they don't because they're in the division. But gosh, would it be sweet to see Garrett Cole pitch at Coors Field twice a year? I mean, the Mets are looking at DG. Gregorius, Zach Wheeler's gonna walk. I think he already signed. Yeah, he already signed. Mistake. Yeah. What did he sign with? The Phillies. Yeah. Um, Nick Castellanos is a, a free agent still. 
Yasiel Puig is a free agent. Yep. Marcelo Zuna is a free agent. Josh yep. Donaldson. That's a, that's a guy that I think the Rockies should target is Marcelo Zuna. Is that if you're going to target a fourth outfielder or go after somebody who can start in 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 left field or right field for for the Rockies, go after Marcelo Zuna. Seriously. I mean, this really makes. I feel like the Phillies are now the front runner for rundown. Why not the Phillies? Because they just signed Harper to that massive 15-year deal. He's a candidate to land the biggest contract. He'll be aiming to match Arenado's contract, to be honest with you. I just I don't think Rendon's the same player as Arenado, but I think he is younger than Arenado. This is from Bleacher Report. No team could burst their bubble faster than the Phillies, who have a huge need at the hot corner and pockets that go even deeper. Deep, even after Bryce Harper's contract. So they still have room. Okay. So then why why wouldn't the Phillies just sign Garrett Cole then? What's stopping them from then? Because I think the Yankees are going to outbid them. And Okay. So over-under for Garrett Cole. Over-under nine years, over-under $324 million. $324 million in nine years puts him at $36 million a year. Over. But I, I – just Over? Doesn't... Really? Over, over nine years and over $324 I don't think it'll be as long, and I don't think it'll be. Oh, I don't think. I don't but think. The, but the AAV will be much higher. No, uh, he's gonna push. Mm, no, I. Garrett Cole's not signing for seven years. He's not signing for eight years. It's nine years or ten years. It's nine or ten. It's it's one of those two. So I'll take the, I'll take the over for nine or ten. That's just the thing. Like the Yankees historically have not signed large contracts like that. They, they don't. They throw a lot of money at you. And they don't throw it for a long time. Not since the CC Sabathia deal, I think, and okay. even that was only um, seven years, I believe. That wasn't even an eight, nine, ten year, ten year deal, because I think Major League Baseball is starting to realize that these large, long contracts tend to hurt you in the back end, and it's not worth it. I mean, you say that you think Garrett Cole is going to sign soon, but who's to tell it won't go back into February again? Garrett Cole said he wants to sign this week. The, the Bryce, by the Bryce ne- Harper and Manny Machado said the same thing. By our next podcast, I think we're we're talking about Garrett Cole signing for more than nine years, three hundred twenty-four million. The Angels just met with him today to talk about the, with ownership level approval. Same thing with the Yankees: ownership level approval, ownership level meetings with Garrett Cole to discuss their future. But also remember, Garrett Cole's agent, Scott Boris. Um. Let's talk about the Cubbies. Cubbies are going to make at least one trade this offseason as far as trading a, a, a big star player. And I think it's Chris Bryant, but you still got guys like Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras that are on that are on the um, the trading block. One name that's not on that trading block is Javier Baez. I don't think Baez gets traded. There's no way he's going to get traded. He's too young, too good of a player to get traded in that middle infield. Or he can play all... He could play just about any position you wanted him to because he's just that that talented of an athlete. Hey, Chris Bryant is really the option because uh, he's technically most likely going to end up being an opt-out in 2020. So after this year, uh, he's still really, really good. He can play all over the field. He's not just the third baseman. So the Nationals replace Rendon with Chris Bryant? I, I could believe it. I really could believe it. You want to look at teams that are that jump off the page as far as contenders for um, Chris Bryant? You know, you you could look at the Phillies, the Dodgers, and the Braves. Those teams make sense right off the bat. Yeah. Are we in the same article right now? 
No. Okay. I don't think so. Because that's exactly I'm in, why I'm in the the virus go- is red. I'm in the I'm in the Google Docs. Okay. Um. Uh, the the Phillies, Dodgers, and Braves makes sense right away. Um. And I guess if you even want to look at the Angels, because if you don't get Garrett Cole, then you might as well just make a trade for another bat in that lineup, to to somebody that could support Mike Trout, and you could you you make a trade for Chris Bryant. What about Miami, bro? No. Just don't even say that. They got the money. I don't care. Chris Bryant wants to play for a winner. That's why he's getting out of Chicago. So here's the buzz from winter meetings. The Yankees offered a more than the record-breaking seven-year, $245 million deal. So they offered more than what Strasburg got. That, that's the key point you can make there. Uh, okay. The, the Angels make, The Angels have to – I don't even know what the Angels need. I mean, they need offense. Everything. And, and pitching. Pitching. They can't trade Joe Adele. They can't trade Mike Trout or Shohei Atani. But everything else is on the table, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, that's the truth. Um, is Justin Turner going to move? Um, Justin Turner's getting old. I-, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Dodgers part ways with him. But, again, you, you can't I, really trade him. I, I think it's he's a good bench piece, a good veteran that could provide stability in a lineup if you ever struggled. But that's really one team that we haven't talked about is the Dodgers are – they just got eliminated in the first round, and that's yeah. not something that happens in L.A. So, exactly. Uh, I think the Dodgers need to figure out first base, first and foremost, and that may be moving Evan, Tur- Evan Turner. Jock T- Peterson? <laughs> Jock Pe- Cody Ballinger? Jock, I mean, they could just continue to run that rotation in the outfield, and they'll be totally fine. Yeah. Justin Turner may find time at first base. He may be their first baseman if they pick up Anthony Rendon. The, the Dodgers are also in that hunt. They always are, and they move Rendon to third. You got Seager, Rendon, Justin Turner, Kike Hernandez. What if the, the Rockies? Rookie. What if the Rockies made a move for Chris Bryant to put him at first base? Ooh. Well, I mean, you've got all these prospects that aren't that are, that are just sitting in Double A and Triple A. And I know the Cubs are looking for relievers. You, you might be able to trade a guy like Ben Bowden, who's going to be a part of this major league roster next year. But I'll. You could, you could, Chris Bryant's a rental. Not if you could if if you could talk to him before the trade. Yeah, that's illegal. And, no, no, you no, can't no. do you that. Can, you can make some. You can talk to his agent, and you can say, "Hey, if we we want to make a move for him, you can talk to Scott Boris and say we want to make a move for Chris Bryant, but we also want you, want this ability for him to be here long term." Do you know who Scott Boris is? He's not gonna ever say that. It doesn't matter who his player is. If it's the best player no. of all time, it's Michael Jordan. Where it's Kike Hernandez. It doesn't matter. He's never going to say, oh, we're signing here. No, no, no. Well, if the money is right and you can tell Chris Bryant, like. <laughs> the money is right. It's Colorado. Yeah, but so you got to unload a couple more contracts first. You got to unload Ian Desmond and, and Brian Shaw's contract. And you might have to unload <laughs> Wade Davis's too. But you're saving money as far as you don't have to pay these other young prospects in two or three years. And you open up your window for title contention right now. It, it's not going to happen. It would be cool, but it, it's not going to happen. They have the, the prospects. They have the opening at first base, but it, it just won't happen. Maybe Anthony Rizzo. Though. Okay, so so you're saying that if the, if the Rockies went, if Jeff Fighters went up to the Cubs and said, listen, if, if they gave like a guy like Colton Welker, because he's a third base or first base, and he could fit in really good with that Cubs lineup in, in one year or two years, play with Javier Baez, and he's a top prospect too. Ryan Rollison and Ben Bowden 
and then you unload a Ian Desmond or a um it, or, or a, a Wade Davis or a It doesn't matter. That's way too much to give up for someone who's only gonna be on the roster for one year. But again, if you can sign him you'll have the money to sign him long term. As soon as you unload a contract with that deal. Why would the Cubs I don't know. do that? They were one game out of contention. Be- because they're they're unloading all of their roster. They're in rebuild mode. The Cubs are in rebuild mode. Sorry, Ronan, if you're listening to this, but the Cubs are in rebuild mode. They're not making the playoffs next year. It's a very tight central division, and they're not making the playoffs next year. They arguably have the MVP of the NL on their roster. And Chris Bryant? No, or and Javi, Javi Baez. Baez. No. They have John Lester, who's still top of his class. You have Jake Wrong. Arrieta. Keep going, keep going. Uh, David Bodie's good. Anthony Rizzo has been Wrong. up there. Um, no, the Cubs are in rebuild Kyle mode. Kyle Schwarber. And uh, the, the Kyle Schwarber is a guy that could get traded this offseason, too. The Cubs are in rebuild mode. And I'm sorry to say it, Ronan, but the Cubs are in rebuild mode. They're they're looking to trade away a large portion of their farm and a large portion of this major league roster. I guess I can't say a large portion, but in essence, you know what I'm saying. You know, you know what I mean. ESPN has the Cubs will trade Bryant to the Braves for Max Fried and top prospects. I believe that one. Max Frieden is a, is a great young pitcher. Anthony Rizzo, um, I mean, he's got two more years in an affordable contract before he heads somewhere else. That's a guy that the Rockies could make a trade for. They would also have to give up a heap of prospects. But you got you got him under team control for two years, and you're getting a solid first baseman, a gold glover and a silver slugger. So you take, you take it as you want. Eh. The Red Sox have also been quiet after a really down year. So, this is going to be interesting to see, man. It, it's going to be a great season next year. Spring training baseball cannot come soon enough. Do you want to go to spring training again? Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's right, go to Arizona right. for spring break. Florida, bro. You want to go to Florida this time? Costa Rica. They play out there. Let's, you want to go watch the Mexico series? Yeah, man. Don't they got a Canadian series too, though? I don't know. Oh, eh. I, I go eh. see some stick and puck up in Canada, eh? <laughs> Let's go. To, let's I have go to a pretty summer. good Canadian accent. We're, we're going to Canada this summer. Hey, I'm going to North Dakota this <laughs> summer. I don't know about you. <laughs> uh, what did we learn today, Will? You always ask me that. And I never know what to say because it's not like I study this stuff before I go into it, you know? So what did I surprise you with information with today? What did I tell you today? What did you learn from us today, from this podcast? What are you taking away? I mean, I can really take away that. Drew Locke has got a lot to prove. This Broncos team's got a lot to prove still. They yeah. they had their best game in years. Everything went right for them. What do they do next week when not everything's going to go right? Because that's not going to happen again. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I will definitely be watching that game, Chiefs-Broncos. I learned that the Rockies have the ability to make some big moves in the coming weeks, but you got to let go of a few big prospects. And to do that, you got to win games. So it is what it is. Uh, thank you, Met Radio, always for hosting us. Met Radio is the student voice of MSU Denver. Uh, Met Radio is a large, is a small part of um, Met Media, which encompasses TV, radio, uh, magazine, newspaper, all of that. Met Radio plays a, lar- a small part in that. Um, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. As always, you want us to talk about something specific next week, hit us up. Email us, game7show at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Game7Show, YouTube, Game7Show. You can tweet us, if you, or if you want to see the Rockies roast us on Twitter some more, you can follow us at underscore Game7. You can follow Will at Will underscore Sattler. And you can follow myself at Isaac underscore Bugarin. And as always, if you're looking for a pet, 
Go to the shelter first. Did you shout out our sponsors tonight, bro? Oh, this podcast is also brought to you by... (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is also brought to you by Rebel Promotions. Rebel Promotions is a full-service marketing firm that provides creative marketing solutions and support to the Denver Metro businesses. Um, If you're looking for any any type of marketing, whether it's it's flyers or um, pens or... Or, or clothing, you want some some custom clothes? Like we got some custom Game Seven show, Game Seven podcast polos here. Um, she does really good, really good um, quality materials, all at a great price. Um, Kendra is a, is a is a great person. She specializes specializes in, in strategies and campaigns, and and she differentiates your organization from others in your industry. Go to the shelter first. Go to the shelter first if you're looking for a dog. See you next week.